Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Are You Really Living podcast. Today's guest is Stacy Blemmer. Ms. Blemmer is a flight attendant for a very prestigious airline. She started her career in the aviation industry six years ago. Her love and passion for traveling helped her secure her job as a flight attendant. For the year 2023, Ms. Blemmer has traveled to a total of seven countries so far around the world, and she has five more countries to travel to before the year is over, as her goal is to visit one country per month. Ms. Blemmer is truly the definition of the Are You Really Living lifestyle. Let's welcome our host, Mr. Enrio Longchamp, and our guest, Ms. Blemmer. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Are You Really Living? Today's guest is Ms. Stacey Bermuda. Uh, she's a flight attendant. She's going to be giving us some knowledge in terms of traveling. I've been looking to have her on a podcast for a long time. And due to her busy, busy, busy schedule, she is finally here. So welcome, Ms. Bermuda. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me. It's so weird hearing you say my first name because you would never call me by my first name. No, no. Ever it's since just... ever since I learned your last name, I always go by your last name, yeah. Miss Blumier. So Even can... the mist is throwing me off. But okay, uh-huh. go ahead. <laughs> can you tell us a bit about yourself in terms of how you started into the aviation industry and becoming a flight? Yes. So growing up, I just always had a passion for traveling. And so that was always a thought process. Hmm, maybe I should be a flight attendant, but then I never really took it serious until one day... You remember Damar from Miami Dade? Yeah. So he had posted on his IG that his airline was hiring. So I slid in the DMs and I was asking him questions and I'm like, hey, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so I was like, I'm going to apply. But they weren't hiring for the flight attendant position. They were hiring for an airport position. So I was like, let me go ahead and apply, get my foot in the door. And then from there, I'll, you know, inch my way up. And so I applied, I got through. And so I started working at the airport. I did that for a year. And then, because whenever you start a new position, you have to wait a year before you can apply for any other um, position. Okay. So after I did my year, I'm not even going to lie, I actually got comfortable at the airport. So when the applications opened, I was like, you know what? No, I'm not going to do the flight attendant anymore. And then I was talking to a coworker and he was like, no, just, you know, do it because that's what you always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, try it and see how far you can get. And then so I did it, did my interview first try. I got it and then boom, never looked back. And I'm glad I did it and I would have regretted not doing it, you know, because just where I've been thus far, it's really, I'm really happy. So that's how that started with um, the aviation. So how many years have you have in the industry? So in total, six years. And you don't see yourself doing anything else right now? Besides- I mean, I'm working on some stuff, but right now the main focus is this. This is my main source of income. Um, I do have some other stuff that I'm you know, doing on the side, but it's not my main priority. This is and I'm actually working on seeing what other door I can get in or like what my other options are as well. But as of now, this is, I'm, I'm really happy and I love what I do um, at times. <laughs> but no, I do love what I do. So yeah, this is this is it for me at the moment. Lies in the skies. Mm-hmm. So what is a typical day or routine like for you? That's a loaded question because... When you're a flight attendant, a pilot, it's very, I always say 
the first two years can make or break somebody because when you're starting off in the airline industry, it's all about seniority. So when you're starting off, you're on reserve, which is what we call on call. Mm -hmm. So like, you know how nurses or doctors, they can be on call. Same thing with flight attendants and pilots. You don't have a set schedule. So crew scheduling, we can call you at any time and like, hey, I have a trip for you. And it's going to be hard to explain so that people can make sense. But like you have blocks of days that you're on call. Each airline though is different. So I know for one airline, if you're on home reserve, you're on home reserve for the full 24 hours. For my airline, if you're on home reserve, you're on it for 12 hours. And within that time frame, they could call you at any time to work a trip, or they can then call you to go to the airport and do airport standby. So it's really dependent. But once you get your schedule, so in the beginning, it can be very different for everyone's experience, you know, ex going on home reserve or airport standby. Now me, because I've been in it for six years, I have a line, which means I have a set schedule. So each month we bid for our schedule. I know where I'm going for how long I'm going to be away for. So that makes everything so much easier. So my typical day can be completely different from someone else that's just starting. Um, I'm based in JFK. So for me, I have to commute up to work, which means I have to catch a flight from Miami or, well, mainly Fort Lauderdale, go to JFK, check in, and then I start work. I normally do West Coast flights. So I'll do JFK, go to the West Coast, lay over for 24 hours, work the flight back, and then I'm done. So my typical day is very easy in sense of going to work and coming back. I know where I'm going, how long I'm going to be gone for. The only thing that can be a little hectic at times is if my flight to go to work can be delayed, if there's any cancellation, especially, you know, living down in Miami, the weather is really bipolar. So like I always have to watch and track everything where my plane's coming from that they're going to use to take us up to JFK, make sure it's on time, make sure the crew's good. So that's what my typical day consists of, looking to see if everything's in line to make sure I can get up to work on time. But aside from that, it's just getting on a plane, looking at my iPad that we have for work, you know, looking at the loads, the amount of customers we're going to have, our specials, like if we have any disabilities, any service animals, dogs, um, a deaf customer, you know, so that kind of prep for my flight. That's what it normally consists of. And the crew I'm working with, because it's never the same crew. It might be, you know, one or two person I've worked with, but mainly it's normally a new crew that I've worked, um, that I'm working with. So that's what my day consists of. It's just in and out for me. I look at it like I go and I come right back just to do it all over again. How was it for you during COVID? It wasn't that bad. So when COVID started, everyone was in question. Like, you know, no one knew. We did not furlough anyone because they took one of the um, packages that the government gave okay. to keep employees employed. Now they did offer leaves. So, we, so they offered us a leave and it came in different increments. So you could take a leave for one month, three months, or six or nine months. I, if I recall correctly, I think I did one month or two months. I can't recall because it was, my memory is really not that great. Um, but I took it and it was great. You know, um, I had the month off. I wasn't flying because COVID was still new. And I'm like, I don't want to deal with this. I'd rather be home. Um, did the, uh, an employment 
got my income that way and just waited to see how things were going to shift. So for me, COVID wasn't bad, but it was the prime time to fly because everybody was kind of staying home. You know, people were scared. And as a non-rev, seats are open. It was like non-rev galore. So for us, like once, you know, we started understanding what COVID was, people were still staying home, but like some countries were still open, prime time to fly. Me, I was not. I did a couple of trips, but I was still scared. I'm like, eh, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I'm good. Like I was masked up and all that stuff. So yeah, um, COVID was, it was fine for me. I just, I went through the motion just like everybody else, I feel like. Can you go ahead and talk to us about how is it as a flight attendant that you, you, you deal with various personalities, <laughs> various background, hey. ethnicity? How do you handle that? Whew. Um, so my favorite position to work on the aircraft is the back of the aircraft. You don't really see the flight attendants in the back unless you're like going, if you're one of those that like, right when you get on the plane, I have to use the bathroom. And then, so they'll go to the back of the aircraft to use the bathroom. And then, so that's when you'll see me, but I work the back. So I'm prepping my galley for the flight. Meaning like if we're getting catered while we're boarding, I'll make announcements but then I'm also checking my galley to make sure that catering is giving us everything that we need for the flight. Nothing was swapped out or given to us an error. Breaking my ice so that, because sometimes they have the, um, what is that thing? The It like holds the ice cold so that it doesn't melt. So I have to like take it out right away so that the ice doesn't freeze completely. So like sometimes you'll hear us in the back, like mashing it up and like you'll hear a noise. I'm like, what is that? That's just us prepping. So I'm in the back. I don't really deal with a lot of customer interaction during the boarding. I really deal with it once the fight, once we're up in the air. Now at times, um, you know, something can happen if there's not enough bag space. I'll go through the cabin to look to see how we're doing with bags, making sure that people aren't putting up five, six bags. Cause I'm like, you're not the only one boarding, you know, the same way that you came on the plane and you found space for your bag, allow somebody else the same opportunity to do so. Now, if we're done boarding and there's still space, by all means, put up as many bags as you want. But during the boarding process, I do try to walk through just to make sure that people have that opportunity, especially for me, I'm a commuter. So I want that same opportunity to like, I want my bags to go up. I don't want to check my bags because once I get off the plane, I want to be able to go to my gate and, you know, work it. So that's what I really do. Um, but I don't have, again, I don't have much interaction with customers until the doors are closed. We go through the cabins doing our checks to make sure the seatbelts are on and all that stuff, bags are put away. If like one of my other crew members are encountering any issues, then we'll then, you know, like, hey, I've had this issue with this particular customer. They'll let everyone on the crew know like where they're sitting, what the issue was, and then we'll keep an eye out. And then pretty much that's how that goes. In regards to different backgrounds, when I was based in Fort Lauderdale, I worked some of the PAP flights. And so I would help them that way, you know, once they found out they're Haitian, you know, oh, I think I see it, see it on them and all that stuff. So of course it's, it's easier for me to deal with them. There was this one guy, he was our translator when we used to have them. I loved him. He made his announcements perfectly. Like he really, you know, helped out. He would help them fill out the form. But now that I've transferred to JFK, that's a different crowd. And they are an interesting crowd. 
if you know New York, you know how they are. So I tell people like, it's like they want you to like the same that they give you, they want you to give it back to them. Because honestly, they'll try to walk all over you and I'm like, no, no, no. So you got to nip it in the bud. We're not doing this today, sir. Like just as we're not, you know, so you just got to be able to stand firm what you're saying. Because what you're saying is coming from you know, either the FAA or the airline, these are the rules, these are the regulations. Yeah. You don't like them, we understand, but it's, it is what it is. You know what I mean? So there's not much that we can do. So if I'm telling you what it is, you have an issue, I'm going to let the other crew members know. They'll come and they'll talk to you too. And if not, if it has to be escalated, we'll escalate it. I always try not to escalate a situation though. I'm really easygoing on a flight. I'm very firm in what I say, but I am easygoing because I don't want to have to go through the whole process of getting the captain involved and all right, we have to remove somebody. Then that's when the phones go up. You're starting to get recorded. It's just, it's too much. It is just too much. So I'm going to tell you what it is, get my crews involved. And then if it's like really something like you're just really pushing it, then we'll do what we have to do. But overall, like I said, I just stand firm in what I say. I know what I'm saying is valid and that's it. Like, I don't go back and forth with people. I done told you what it is. You want to accept it or not. And then after that, I wash my hand of it and then I pass it to the next person and see what goes from there. As you're growing into the industry, have you or would you consider doing international flights? I'm talking about like from here to London or you, you're, you're fine with domestic. I am perfectly fine with domestic. So um, we do fly international routes. It's a little bit limited, but we do fly them. And I, I'm i not interested in going into that particular side. I love doing it for leisure, like personal travel, not a problem. But to work it, no. I fly a lot on other airlines when I'm traveling, going to Europe, you know, overseas. And I really do watch the other flight attendants and what it entails and what goes into it. And it really is a lot of work. It's very demanding. And it's not to say that I don't want to do the work, but it's just a different beast within itself. The flight time, it's already long as it is. My my sleeping habit is, you know, I'm up at night. Mm-hmm. I sleep during the day. So I work red-eye flight. So I love doing my, my transcon to the East Coast at nighttime and then coming back. I can do, most I've done is like seven hours and that's because the headwinds um, flying to the West Coast is strong. So that'll slow the plane down. That's like, and I don't even want to say a full seven hours, but that's the longest that I've been on a plane working it. Okay. And that's the furthest I've ever want to go. To be like, when I've traveled and I've done like a 12, 14 hour flight, I am sleeping, you know, because it's just like, it really takes a toll on your body. And like I said, like I watch these flight attendants, like, you know, they have their breaks, they get to sleep, but it's still, it's still demanding. So I just prefer working my JFK West Coast and going home. I don't want to do those trips. I don't want to work it. Everyone's different though. They love working it just for the layovers. If I know I have a friend that has a layover there, I'll try to crash their layover. So I'll fly it. Again, I'm not working it. I'm a regular customer. And then once we land, I'll go to the hotel with them. We'll explore and then come back and then from that. But I don't want to work that, no. I'm a domestic girl. I'll probably always be a domestic girl. Now, let's talk about, the, as you know, the podcast is called Are You Really Living? Yes. And you are the definition of Are You Really Living? Oh, and you think so? Of course. I feel like I live a very quiet and boring life. So I'm, thank you for that. Absolutely but, not. In terms of how 
how often you travel personally. Okay. So for this year alone, mm -hmm. how many countries have you visited? Um, thus far, I've done seven countries. Um, so my 2023 goal was to hit is to hit one country every month. And I've been on track so far up until June. Um, I wasn't able to go anywhere for June, so I had to double up in July. So I had to do an extra trip because, you know, to make up for the June and then do another one for the month of July. And so that put me back on track. And then August, same thing. I was supposed to go to Brazil. That was going to be my country number eight. But I had been working back to back. And then so I came home and I'm like, all right, I need to pack, but I also have to wash my clothes. So I'm like, let me start washing my clothes um, while they're in the dryer washer. I'm going to take a little nap. And so I took a nap and I didn't wake up until like two o'clock in the morning and my flight on American to um, Brazil left at 10 o'clock. And so I'm like, well, <laughs> there's that. So I miss Brazil this month, which is okay because next month I'm going to double it again. I'll do two countries to make up for August. But so yeah, 2020 is one country a month. So that's why I'm at seven so far. You mean 2023? 2023. What did I say? 2020. Oh, psh, yeah. 2023. Thank you. Uh, what are those? Do you remember those seven countries on top of your head? Um, I have to go by month. So yes, um, bear with me, y'all. So January, I did South Africa. February, I did El Salvador. March, I did Germany. April, I did Scotland. May was Curacao. June was the empty month. July, I did Italy. And then I also did Belize. So that's at seven. And then, as I just said, August was supposed to be Brazil. Um, that didn't work out, unfortunately. And then September, my two countries, should I say it or should I just wait? You should wait. I should wait? Okay. Yeah. So then I'll, I'll, I'll wait. Next time, so you could talk about it. Next okay. Time come. Got you. You did London last year. Yes, last year was September. And then I did Japan the next month, right when they opened, because Japan had been on lockdown still from COVID. And then I found out that they were opening their borders October 10th or the 11th. So what I did is I took a flight the day before because, you know, they're ahead of us. So I took a flight the day before. And then by the time we landed, it would have been the first day that Japan officially opened. And I did it that way because flights were going to be open for, you know, non-rev passengers, which is, you know, airline people. I knew it wasn't going to be loaded because Japan had been closed and not a lot of people would have been, you know, thinking to like, hey, let me fly out to Japan. So it was easy getting on. I went there, loved it. I definitely want to go back. And then so I came back easy again, and it was just amazing. I loved it. Now, let's talk about Japan. Because mm -hmm. then we, did, uh, we talked about it. I saw a few pictures yeah. in terms of when you went there. Talk to me in terms of what you see when it comes to their technology, how advanced they are compared to here. And Rio, you know I'm not a fan of that, of technology. So it was, they are, they do, they are way ahead of us for sure. But like, you know, I always say technology will be our downfall. <laughs> it is no surprise. I, stay, I wholeheartedly stand by that, but they really are advanced and they're them as a, a, a country. They're just very, I just, I love them. It's simplified. They have like vending machines all over that you can get everything in it. And it's, you know, it may sound like, well, we have vending machines too, but it's just their concept is different. You know, eating out, like you can have robots serving you. And to some people, they find that cool and fascinating. You look at you nodding your head. To me, I'm like, oh, 
okay. Like, it's great to see it, but like when you're there and witnessing it, it's just like, you know, it's a little alarming because it's just like, how far can we really go? And then like getting a little sidetracked, you know, like we see AI happening in front of us and it's just like, it's mind blowing, you know, but overall, I will say that Japan, they, they're doing an amazing job. Um, they have a great section for anime lovers. I checked that out. It's great. You can do it. Like they had a whole building designated specifically for gamers. So you walk inside the building and like they have different floors, different levels that you can do different stuff. So like one is like, you know, the, the little machines where you can play the games, like the racing cars or, you know, different types. One, another level is where you have the machines where you have to move the little thing inside to like try to grab something. And it's like, I started playing it and you don't realize how much money you're putting into it. Cause it's so addicting. Cause like you're, you're focused on getting it now. And so like, I remember at one point, like I was just, you know, putting money in, putting money in. And I'm like, what am I doing? And so it's just, it's very, the concept is wonderful, but you just have to be careful because you can really lose money very fast. I remember I got in because it was, I was with some other people. We went in, they were playing games too. We hit each floor. I remember seeing a group of kids there and then we went all the way to the top and then came down and they were still there. So just imagine how long they've been doing this. But you know, that's their culture. I'm not knocking it. It's it's very intriguing, but just be mindful so you don't get caught in trap. Now let's talk about the motherland when you went to South Africa. Mm-hmm. What what did you what did you experience? What did you see? How was the air when you breathing it? Like how was it? <laughs> so I've been to Africa twice. The first time was 2022. I went to Seychelles. And then this year was South Africa. So I do want to hit up Africa more frequently to visit other countries. But the one that I've visited so far, Seychelles, I will say I'm not a big fan of it. But I'm glad I got to experience South Africa because it made up for it. And I love South Africa. The vibes out there, it's amazing. The music is dope. The food was great. I did Johannesburg and Cape Town. I will say this though, I do warn everyone, and I think it's not just South Africa, it's a, um, other countries in Africa too, but South Africa, I can speak for sure that they experience, oh, what is it called? I forgot what it's called. I forgot the name of it, but pretty much you lose electricity for a certain amount of hours during the day, every day. Now, each city, each town, each country might be different, but um, it's you have to be very mindful. So when I went, it was me and three other people. We did an Airbnb. It was a big group of us, but everybody was kind of spread out. So some stayed at a hotel, some did Airbnbs. Um, some of the hotels, they do experience that as well, um, where you lose electricity. Some of the hotels, they do have generators. So I just always warn everyone, if you're going to South Africa, be mindful that you're going to experience it. Because one of the girls I was with, like once we lost electricity and there was no more AC, like she was, you know, so it it can really take a toll on you. We we went in January. It's their winter, not their winter, but their summer. It wasn't too bad, but you do feel the heat. Um, But aside from that, though, it wasn't bad. Because during the day we were out doing the activities, you know, um, exploring and all that stuff. So we weren't at the house all the time. But when we did have a free day, like, you know, just relax and we had no electricity, it was just like the 
Airbnb hole, she did have like um, a little generator, but it didn't keep the whole house running. It was just some of the outlets. So you had some of the rooms that had the um, the fan working. And then that kind of helped us. We opened the doors. Very nice lady. I love that Airbnb. I would recommend it too. It was three bedrooms, three baths, big kitchen, big living room, nice backyard. It was really good, but just Again, be mindful when you're going that you're going to experience the outage. And it's just politics, you know, the politicians using it. That's what I've been explaining when I was talking to the locals about it. Politicians trying to, you know, use it to re-election what's happening or is happening coming up, if I recall correctly. So that's a, a, a huge problem. But they've been saying it's been getting worse every year. Like it wasn't as drastic. Like it wasn't for like two, three hours it was out when it first started. So just keep that in mind. But again... The food is great. I love the music. Like they have a certain sound that when you hear South African music, it's just amazing. Um, the people were cool. I just, it's easy to interact with them. They're like, where are you from? Because when they hear us talking, they're not thinking American. They're thinking like, where are you from? Because to them, it's an accent, but they just can't pinpoint it. So a lot of people thought we were from London. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, so it's just, I definitely recommend visiting South Africa, Cape Town. I really enjoyed Cape Town. We went to uh, one of the mountains. Y'all know I'm scared of heights. So it took like, I was in the corner, like, get me up there, but I'm glad I did it. Cause once you get to the top, beautiful views, nice wind, and it was really enjoyable to, to experience. And then having to come back down again, I'm, you know, in the corner, just like, all right, get me down. I'm ready to go. And even the drive up, I was like, oh. But aside from that, I enjoyed Cape Town. South Africa was amazing. I definitely go back, but I want to do Kenya, Nigeria, because they talk about this jollof rice. I'm like, I need experience. I'm not going to eat jollof until I get to um, Nigeria, because they keep saying Nigeria is like the main country. They're the best. They're not competing with Haitian rice, you know. Yeah. But I definitely want to try jollof rice when I get to Nigeria. So that's on my list to do for sure. Those trip when you usually do them, do you do do you tell yourself in advance you're gonna do seven days, ten days, or you just go based on the rate for that time? I go based on my vibes. I go based on how I'm feeling. I'm not a big planner. I just if I have days off, I'll try like if I have three days off or four days off, I'll try to like maneuver my schedule to like drop this trip or swap it so I can get more days off like get a full week then I'll go it's also the, like that'll also determine how far I'm going like if it's only three or four days I'll stay relatively closer to the states if I can get a good chunk of days off then I'm going far I can get there and I'm not feeling it and I'm like all right I'm ready to come back and then I'll cut the trip short so it really just depends on how I'm feeling the vibes out there and just you know I go from that so I don't really plan anything in particular like activities i don't plan activities i don't confirm activities until i'm on a plane and we've taken off then i'll get on the um, airplane wi-fi and then i'll start booking some stuff because again i'm traveling standby i'm not confirmed until the flight is up in the air so i don't want to pay for something and i'm like i can't make it i can't get out there so like it's a it's a strategy to how i how i travel now if somebody's in a budget and it's not a flight attendant and wants to do those trips. What are some tips you have for them? I don't have tips. I'm not even gonna lie to you. Because it it really, it really is different. Like, for example, 
my tickets going to Europe can be like 200 bucks round trip. Again, it is standby, but it's relatively cheap compared to somebody that has to buy a confirmed ticket that can cut into someone's budget. You know what I mean? So me being able to get tickets relatively cheap, even hotels, because I have plenty of friends that work in hotels, I get the extremely rate, um, the extremely cheaper rates. It's not taking up all of my budget. So I'm able to like really finesse the game and make it work in my favor that I'm not worried about it. So like once I have this book, like I know where I want to stay again, once I'm on the plane, that's when I'll book like prior to, I used to do Airbnbs all the time. Once we took off, I'd get on the um, Wi-Fi and then book the Airbnb. Now that I have friends that are working in hotels, I'll use their rates, I'll book it, and then I'm good to go. So that's like a very small cost of what a budget could be for someone. I have all of this free money now to then do as I please once I get to the country. Like I'm just, and then I'm not even going to lie, prior to that, prior to working in the airline, when I did travel on my own, there's no, there's no budget. It's just the money's going to come. Yeah. It'll come back. Like I'm here in a whole new country, experience something like I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go all out. I want to experience it. YOLO. But for some reason we used to travel. I, I, we, what happened? We, I don't, that's a, travel. listen, I was going to bring, I'm glad you, I'm glad you said something because I sure did. I put this in my little notes. I remember like in college, especially in college, like yeah, it's crazy. Like when you think about it, like how were we doing this in college? Yeah, yeah. We, but we, yes, we traveled we, in college and it's just. Martin, uh, I can't even count. I mean, it's a land dog. Oh, you left with us in Martin? Martin trip okay. will forever be a classic because then Rio was in the back. Like we really just followed this random car to take us to a party. <laughs> And then Rio at that time was the only person with a saying like, like, guys, what are we doing? But no one's paying him any mind. But he's like, why are we following this car? Yeah. It was it was great experience, but I don't know it what happened. It would have been in a dish bar by now. I think so, because he yeah. just kept let we just kept riding up, going up and going up. Because you remember when we were coming down. Yeah, there was no light. Right. There's it no was light just, it was just a We really were just following, like, we want to party, yeah. let's just go. So I didn't know he listened to me at that time. I mean, it was you and Rio, like, we don't really pay him much light, you know? And then Jean was in the back cracking jokes and making the situation even worse. It was just that night was one for the books for sure. But um, I don't know. I don't know what like after that. I feel like once we graduated, we kind of just. I mean, you have to. You admitted too. You know the the your your any job. You know, really kind of help you in terms of traveling. It did. It did allow me to um do what because I it's not a typical nine to five. Yeah. And so like you know with some of my other friends. Like, I'd be ready to, like, hey, I want to go here this time. I'm like, girl, like, I got to put in a PTO request and see if it even gets accepted. You know, so that's why I kind of, like, just stopped inviting people to go with me that aren't, that is not in the airline industry because it is a lot tougher for them. They can't just pick up and go. They have to work with, like, days off, with holidays, try to, like, you know, maximize their opportunity. Um, So it, it can get hectic. So I've started traveling more so with people that are in the airline. Like I've met a lot of people. I've traveled with a lot of people over the years in the airline industry because they'll ask like, hey, who wants to go? You know, I'm in groups 
for it. You know, I'll see people post about it like, hey, I'm going here these dates. And I'm like, all right, let me see what I could work. And then I'll go. If not, I travel. I travel a lot by myself too. I do a lot of solo. It's just, I tend to, um, like I said, pick up and go. I like going with the flow. So like I'll wake up and I'm like, hmm, what am I going to do today? As opposed to like having a group of people with you. And then you have to be mindful. All right, well, they don't want to do this. They don't want to go here. And that, it gets to be a little, you know, so yeah. But we definitely should... Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm being serious because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm working on certain things right now. To okay, to to where I will be at a point where I don't need to check in with someone to get a day off. I love to hear it. So it's it's getting there. All right, so folks, you guys heard it first. Um, today is August. What's today's date? August 29th. It is 10:44 p.m. You guys are hearing it first and Rio said he is working on it he is going to start traveling with me so I'm waiting to see him Angie and the baby on this trip with everybody. me everybody dallying your toots everybody everybody we bring in the gun tool no no oh, oh then that's not everybody <laughs> we're not traveling with the parents so then are you going to plan are you going to pick where we're going to go or you want me to pick like how are we going to do this I'm going to let you pick yeah let me pick how far do you want to go and for how many days Maximum seven days. Maximum seven days. Okay. And is it going to be for 2023 or 2024? We're looking at 2024. Okay. That's perfect. Because I'm a little booked and busy for 2023. I'm not going to lie. All right. So 2024, um, we're going to be back at it. Bring the old gang back together. And yeah, then the um, needs to get back. Yeah. I love to hear it. Now, if it's going to happen, folks, we're going to hold them accountable. So come 2024, if he invites me back to Are You Really Living? You're going to be here. Well, I'll let you know. I'll give you the update on that. Now, uh, two additional questions. Mm-hmm. You have to go. Do I? I actually enjoyed. It. I was, I'm not gonna lie. Like I was, I was nervous in the beginning. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm actually, you know, this was fun. It is. Now, is it hard to be a flight attendant and be in a relationship? And does that have an effect on your relationship? So I am single now, and to be honest, I have not been looking. For relationship like I've talked to guys in the past um it didn't lead to anything it didn't work out but aside from that like I'm not that's not a focus for me right now I've just been working and traveling those are my two the two factors you know I don't have any kids so it's just like I have no responsibility so I'm not really you know looking for anything at this time but do you think if you were in a relationship before you got into this industry, you would have been able to travel the way you're traveling? Oh, I'll still be traveling because my man has to travel. Like, I can't be with somebody that does not enjoy traveling because you're not going to see here in Miami me, Atlanta me, or Vegas me to death. Like, we're not going to do that. We need some stamps. Like, I collect stamps in my passport. If I'm, I've been to countries where they have the automated um, system to, like, you know, exit. No, 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 no. I'll get out that line and wait in the long line just to get my stamp. So my man has to have that same energy for traveling the way that I do. So to answer your question, um, me personally, I don't know. I've never dated anyone while being a flight attendant. I've never, well, I've never had a serious relationship while I've been a flight attendant for the past six years. So I don't know, but I've had, I have heard from, you know, friends, colleagues, that experienced a little bit of the good, the bad, and the ugly. A lot of the times, a lot of them complain, you know, once they hear that you're a flight attendant, 
They thinking that, you know, when you're on layovers, you're hooking up with a whole bunch of people. Baby, let me tell you, when I get to my layover, I'm a, we call ourselves slam clickers. It's a few of us, but we slam click, meaning once we get to our hotel, we slam the door and we click that little on the door and then you won't see us until it's time to leave the next day. I'm a slam clicker. I don't really go out much because I do the same route. So I'm pretty familiar with the city unless I come across a new restaurant that I want to try or I want to go somewhere like something's happening. But aside from that, I don't go out. Um, So I don't meet people that way. I just, I go to work. But a lot of the times, like I said, people have this notion about flight attendants that, you know, we're in different layovers, sleeping with a whole bunch of different people, um, sleeping with the pilots, hooking up with the pilots. Some of them are married. You're laughing, but this is true. Like, this is a real, I'm so serious and real. And then we even joke about it. Like, us as flight attendants, you know, we have our little groups of flight attendants too. We joke about it. Like, some of flight attendants, I will say, you have the very few that do go and they're trying to get a, a pilot. Because, you know, they make money. That's cool. But I'm like, I want nothing to do with it. Like, I try to interact with these pilots as less as possible. The only time I really see them, because again, I work in the back of the plane. So I'm not in the front. I don't really see them unless like they call us to the front so we can do the briefing before we start boarding. Like they let us know what the flight time is, if it's going to be bumpy and a couple of other information I can't share. But that's just about it. If it's if they need a break during the flight, some of you may notice, some of you may not. If they have to use the bathroom, we have to set up a security barrier. So we'll put um, a cart in it. One flight attendant has to stay out to make sure no one tries to bum rush the cockpit. And then one flight attendant goes inside because there always has to be two people in the cockpit at all times. So while one, if the captain or the um, first officer is coming out, we're replacing one of them. And so sometimes I go up because the other one doesn't want to go up because it's, again, I like to keep our interaction very minimal, but if they don't want to go up, I'm like, all right, I'll do it. I'll go in the cockpit. And then that's the most that I'll interact with the pilots. Now, some of them, they really are cool. You know, I'll, you know, when I start talking to them in the cockpit, then I'm like, okay, they're not, you know, whatever. So, but then that, that's just about it. But then, like I said, you have some of them that really do go for the pilots. That's what they want. They want to be a white, a pilot wife there. There's a group on TikTok on Facebook that they are pilot wives and they take on the identity of the pilot. And like, you know, they'll make these little TikToks, these series, like come with me, come to work with me a day in the life of a pilot. And I'm like, ma'am, you're not the pilot, but they really assume the identity of their husbands. And it's just, it's crazy. And it's just, you know, to each their own, do you, but I'll just be like, again, I'm a slam clicker. I go to work, I come back. So I don't, I'm not into that. I'm cool. But again, a lot of people have that notion. That's how flight attendants are. Some of, aside from that, another reason would be because the schedule can be hectic. So I don't know if you um, remembered that I said in the beginning, if you're on reserve, that can really make or break somebody. When you're first starting off in the industry, being on reserve will let you know this is really for you because you can get called to do any trips. You're doing the trips at the senior, we call them senior mamas, senior papas that have been in the airline for forever. They're not, they don't want to leave. You know, they're like, they're making the money. They're top, top. So they can pick the trips that they want to work. And if they don't want to work, you know, they can drop it. But they're pretty much working all the leftover trips. 
like you're working four legs, meaning you're doing four flights in a day. Exactly. Those are the types of trips that are like left over for the reserves to work because people are calling out like, I don't want to work it. Um, now, granted, a reserve may luck up and get like a, a trip overseas and experience that layover. But pretty much you're doing these trips around the country that no one wants to lay over in, no one wants to do. And so it can be hard because you don't know where you're going. So you're having to plan for the unexpected, mm -hmm. having to pack enough food. Because in the beginning, you're not making that much money because you're on reserve. So it can be tight for people. So I tell people like, listen, if you really think you want to do this, save your money before you come a flight attendant. Like I was able to like get my financials in order. We've had discussions. You know what it is for me. Yeah. So it wasn't a problem for me. I did it. I was great. When I first started, I was based out in Boston. Um, I have my uncle there. So, you know, of course, you know how Haitians are. Oh, you know, so I was able to stay with him and my aunt. For, I did a whole year in Boston. And so my reserve time was very short because I had a, they had a hiring spree. So they were like bringing in classes back to back mm -hmm. after me. So when that happens, my seniority is going up quicker so my reserve time is less, right. right? So I'm able, so I got aligned very quickly. I was able to work the trips. It wasn't all great trips in the beginning because it's, you know, but I still knew where I was going, how long I was going to be gone for. So I was able to work a lot of hours. And then eventually I was like, Ugh, I want to come home. Came to Florida, lot of the worst decision. I was like, the trips down here are bad. No. So then that's when I went up to JFK. So I didn't really experience reserve life as some other people. Like I've had a line for just majority of my, I want to say maybe like six months I did reserves, which is not, it's unheard of to be honest. So it was easier for me, but if you're like at other airlines where you could be on reserve for like 10 plus years, yes, 10 plus years. So it's just, it can really make or break somebody because as you know, the more years you have the the pay is going to get better the pay is going to get great but still you're not home as often so some people they get lonely they're on layovers you know sometimes you don't have that great crew they can be really you know it's like oh let me stay away from you so you don't have somebody to talk to me personally I'm cool I I enjoy my little you know time away from everybody but some people, it can really affect them. You know, they get depressed. They get lonely. Like, there are flight attendants that have committed suicide on layovers. Like, so you really have to understand this industry and know what you're getting yourself into. You're going to be away from family. You're going to be away from your kids. You're going to miss out on holidays, you know, birthdays, all this stuff. So this is something to plan for and keep in mind. And if you're someone that's like, that wants to be around your man or your girl, is this something that you could really do? Like, can you, you know, put in the time so that you can then enjoy it later down the line? Like, it's just really dependent on on that particular individual. Um, some people use the opportunity while they're away to like meet new people in different cities. And I'm not saying it doesn't have to be sexual, but like, you know, just legit have a innocent conversation, like, you know, link up, meet up. I tried it and then I was like, I'm ready to go back to my hotel. Like, you know, like, hey, I'm going to be here. Who wants to grab some food? Who wants to grab drinks? I tried it and I was just like, yeah, no, I don't want to do this again. Because <laughs> it's just, it really, it could be a hit or a miss, you know? So I'm not very, I'm a background friend. I like to be 
there, but I'm not a talker. So this is the most, I think you've heard me talking how many years on your podcast. <laughs> you know, so I just, I'm, I'm okay with this lifestyle because it, I feel like it really does work for me. Like I like to be away and just have time to myself. Again, I'm not in a relationship, so yet. I'm not in a relationship, yes. so um, no one's missing me. I don't have any kids. I don't have responsibilities. So for me, it's perfect. For someone else, not so much. Um, I've seen the posts where people like really do ask like, hey, guys, how do you manage your relationship? Because some people complain like their significant other complain like, hey, you're not around as much. I don't see you. And it's just like you really got to have that talk with whoever you're with. Explain it to them like, All right, is this something that you're able to you know, be with and handle with me while I'm experiencing it in the beginning. So it's just, you know, you just got to figure it out. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you figured it out though. I had, oh yeah. yeah. I figured it out and I've made it work to the best of my ability. Uh, final question. Oh, two wow. more actually. Oh, whatever happened to the, uh, Ooh, I'm scared for this question. <laughs> <laughs> you know too much of me. Whatever happened to the to the because uh, COVID shut it down to the uh, New Year vision board. Oh, that's a word, please, please. So the first time I decided to do a vision board, it was with Enrio and Angie and Dallin, and I was really excited. I don't remember what I put on it. That's how bad COVID did me. But you know, we were, I was here at the house with them and every, like we brought a whole bunch of magazines and everybody's doing their vision board 2019. It was December 2019. Yeah. And then next thing you know, COVID just comes out of nowhere and just boop, took my yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. So ever since then, for me, the vision board has a negative. <laughs> it really left a, a very bad taste in my mouth. Cause for the first time that I do one and then for that to happen and like I could, and then my cousin, like I remember telling my cousin that she's like, yeah, Stacy, but you can't let, you know, that disrupt you. It was just a once in a lifetime, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, no. So I've, I've never looked back at that vision board. I think it's like, did I throw it away? I probably did. Cause I think I, I kept looking at it and I like to, you know, mix it. I don't know. So I think I did throw it away. But I've never looked at a vision board the same ever since. My cousin keeps trying to convince me. Um, well, she was at one point, like, you know, just do it. Don't let that affect you. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm good. Now, in conclusion, mm -hmm. if you were to be a superhero or mm -hmm. if you had any power, mm -hmm. what would it be? So this might be a little controversial for some, but I stick by it and I stand 10 toes down. And I don't know if he was a superhero, but more so a supervillain. I would be Thanos because his logic, you know, as crazy as it may sound, his logic had reasoning to it. So I really like the more I listened to him talk, the more it made sense to me. When is a lover? I don't think I should because I don't want to get canceled. <laughs> But it's just, I don't know, like the more, and it's like, even when I watch other movies, there's like a little Thanos in those movies. And it's like, it makes sense. And I'm like, I get it. I, I understand it. Like, yeah, he was a little, you know, but he was straight to the point. He meant what he said and it kind of worked. But he, he wanted to wipe 
half, half of the planet to give What's it a do? better start. Cause look at look at us now in Rio. Inflation is up, okay? Like we are dealing with inflation. I know you said we weren't gonna get into it, but the housing market to like the cost of living, and I'm not saying like, you know, <laughs> but it's just, it really is like, we're living in a different time. And it's just, it's very unfortunate. Like I see, I was on, I was in San Francisco. And like I came back from San Francisco this morning. I worked the red eye, but that was my, so I meant to say this. So I have a leave. I took a leave for um, September. So I'm going to be off the entire month of September. And so working this last trip, I left on Sunday. I came back today. I was so excited because like, I'm like, this is my last trip. They're not going to see me again. Like I was just so happy. And like I said, I'm a slam clicker. Once I get to my hotel, I'm not coming out. But yesterday I actually went out on my layover. So I went to go eat at this spot that I found online. Somebody recommended it. I went to go eat there. I did the trolley, the little whatever they call it in San Francisco, like, you know, the cable cars, whatever. I did that for the first time. As much as I'm in San Francisco, it's crazy. That was my first time. And then once I got to the end of the line, I walked around. Um, I love riding bicycles. So yeah. I found, you know, yeah, yeah. and I found this old man. He had a table with like different stuff on it. And he made bicycles using like some type of foil thing. But it was so beautiful. So I bought one and it was just like, like it was just the perfect. So he was making the bicycles and, you know, I bought one. So I really explored San Francisco. Like I said, I've, you know, went out a couple of times, but this was the first time like I really ventured out far. But while I was in the Uber and it was just so disheartening to see. When I tell you tents after tent after tent after tent, the homelessness in San Francisco is crazy. Like you see people walking around, you know, like they're really in, in bad shape. San Francisco, LA, Portland. I've had a Portland layover. It is really, really bad. And it breaks my heart to see it because it's just like these people are really, it's, it's, it, it, it's like seeing it, you know, like for me, I'm just visiting because, you know, I'm a flight attendant, I'm here, but like just knowing and, you know, we have it here in Miami, too. Yeah. You know, we're not an exception, but it's, like, to me, extreme on the West Coast. Because, you know, California is expensive. I want to say five times more than, you know, I don't know if yeah. numbers are real. But it really is expensive. So it's just, like, when I see stuff like that and then see the way we're going with life, it's like, yeah, Thanos, Thanos is looking pretty good right now. Like, it's making sense. I understand it. I see his vision. You know, the Avengers, they came back and they, you know, disrupted the plan because they went back into the machine and, you know, did what they had to do, got the stones. But I feel like had they let it play out, everything would have corrected itself. And I think it would have been better because even in the movie, he showed you his home when he said, like, you know, he brought this idea to his, his home and they kicked them out because they're like, they're crazy. And then he showed you the before and the after, how they were thriving. Again, guys, this is a movie. Do not cancel me, please. <laughs> I'm not saying I would wipe out half of the world. I would not. I wouldn't do it. But if somebody were to bring up the the thought, like, let's, let's hear them out. Like, let's see how this can benefit. And then who we would wipe out. That's a whole nother topic of, you know, who would you know, target. So the superpower you will have, basically, you will need to get the stones. Get the stones right. 
With that being said, everybody, this is Are You Really Living? I would like to thank our guest, Ms. Blumier. Don't say my name for stopping by our podcast. Thank you very much. And we're looking forward to, to hear from you. Have fun on your next trip. All right. Thank you for listening to the Are You Really Living podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to us on social media. We would love to hear from you. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep growing. And most importantly, keep living your best life. Please like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.